Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season four. Today's guests are Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Unveiled Wife and Husband Revolution. Husband Revolution. You guys, these guys have been doing like marriage ministry, I think when they were like freshly married. <laughs> They've been doing it for a long time and they're still young. In fact, when we met Jennifer, she had, I think, one baby and now they have several more, but they, they're just amazing. They are authors, they are podcasters, and I believe that this conversation that we're, we had together is really going to encourage you. Now, before we dive into this conversation with Aaron and Jennifer, we want to give you an opportunity to connect with God and with each other at the Refine Us Weekend Experience, May 3rd through the 5th. Are you looking for a weekend of romance? Are you looking for a weekend to get away without kids? Are you looking for a weekend in Music City? All of those things can be accomplished as well as transforming your heart and the heart of your marriage. And so the Refine Us Weekend is all inclusive. We're going to be staying at the Virgin Hotel that weekend, we're going to provide you with all the amazing food and just an incredible experience. And so if you want to learn more, you can go to refineus.org slash weekend and get all the information. Now, without any further delay, here's our conversation with Aaron and Jennifer. Well, it has been a minute since we have caught up and where our houses have grown. They've grown kind of in different ways. Ours have grown through uh, our kids growing up and getting married, but your family has grown by like just more children. So (laughs) introduce us to your family now. Yeah. So our oldest is 10 right now, Elliot, who I would have had when when we met up. Um, And then we were just talking, I was pregnant with my second, Olive, who's now going to be eight in a month. Um, Wow. I know I can't imagine being in your guys' place, like sending them off and in, in out of the house. But I also feel like it's happening very quickly. I'm like, no, we just, we just got into old. another Jeez. transition. We we don't have any diapers right now. Which oh yeah! Oh, oh wow! Okay. praise the yeah. Lord. <laughs> it is pretty cool. So we do have five kids. So we have Elliot, Olive, uh, Wyatt just turned six, Truett's four, and e- Edith is our baby. She's turning three. She's next turning month. three. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. Is that like, is that called Irish twins when they're that close together? I, I, we've always wanted twins because I'm a twin and I always thought that would be really cool. But uh, yeah, they're all really close together. So yeah. Did you guys plan it's it that fun. way or just kind of happen that way? No, or? just happened. Yeah, just, <laughs> was five like a magic number? Um, No, but my mom had five kids and I always thought that was interesting. Like, okay. I don't know. I don't know. We're, yeah, there was no no real plan. Yeah. Like even now we're, Just, we're discussing more children. Well, uh, my going back and forth on that. My oldest started praying that God would give us another baby and I pretty much every day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so. You know, they're sweet. They're really sweet. But it is fun being in a stage of life where nobody really needs mom. Like mm. like Aaron said, there's no diapers, no one's nursing. This is great. <laughs> I have a little <laughs> it's bit a special, it's a special time. I, I feel like I have a little bit more freedom. <laughs> Justin and I had our first baby. I was, I got pregnant when I was 20 and then we got pregnant four months into marriage. And so our, our oldest son, Micah came five days after, after our first year anniversary. Wow. So we, we didn't know what it meant to be adults without like diaper bags and porta cribs. And I'll never forget like packing up for the first time. And I'm like, I have left somebody like <laughs> this feels weird because I didn't have like all the things that you needed yeah. for the yeah. kids. And it was like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think there's some blessing there though, because having it and then losing it is probably harder than getting it for the first time. It's <laughs> that true. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably true. It's very true. What What took you guys? I know you guys were in you were in Southern California, and then when you guys moved up to Oregon, you said nine years ago. Or yeah. What What was What was the impetus for that move? What, how did you decide to do that? Um, well, our situation in California was interesting because Aaron's job had moved, and even though it was only like twenty miles away with traffic and everything, it was it, was it like became two hours in the morning, two hours at night, a commute, and so we were stuck in this place of wondering, okay, does that mean we move or do, or do we go somewhere else? Like we were kind of up in this, up in the air of knowing like where we were going. And my brother had moved to central Oregon. And when he had his first kid, we came up to visit and immediately fell in love with it. It was like this little gem of a mountain town that just felt so 
peaceful and quaint. And so it's grown a lot since we've been here. Yeah. And it's all, it was also right in the time that our ministry was starting to be self-sustainable. Okay. And, you know, we were selling our, we had, we had some apparel we were selling, we had some devotionals we had written. And so we, it was the first time in our life where we're like, wait a minute, we could do this anywhere. So why don't we start praying about moving and, you know, being closer mm-hmm. to your brother and a new place. We had been, we'd grown up in California. Okay. And uh, we were just thinking like, Hey, this could be a possibility. And so along that prayer journey, mm-hmm. we started seeing some answers. So. That's really cool. I was just actually in Southern Oregon probably about three months ago. Um, my son plays college basketball, our youngest biological son, and he played at, so, at like Southern Oregon University. Um, oh, okay. And I, so I flew into Sacramento and then drove up there mm-hmm. and it's like a, like for real mountain. Like I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like this is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And it went from like, you know, like 80 degrees in Sacramento to, you know, it was snowing by the time I got into Oregon. Yeah. And uh, I'm well, like, man, scary. it's crazy. That's like three hours away. Our kids keep telling us that they're going to move when they grow up out of the house, they're going to move back to California. Cause when we go to visit grandma and grandpa, we do all the fun things. We go to the beach and they're like, this weather's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> one day they'll know some more details about California. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Our, our son lived in uh, Portland, Oregon for three years, two yeah, years. Two years, yeah. And so I loved going out, you know, to yeah. visit him. And then we'd make the trek like over the mountain. And then they would make fun of me because I'd lose my mind. I'd be like, "This is amazing!" You know, are we going to die going around this corner? This is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in Indianapolis, where you can see about three hundred miles in each direction. So. Yeah, <laughs> just go ahead. We do have epic sunsets. We don't have mountains or beaches, but we do. That's all we have. So that's awesome. Well, it's a privilege to have you guys and just to hear um, just all that God has done in your lives and growing your family and and also like growing your ministry. We have um, kept up with you guys over the years and really how God has just um, blessed the way that you guys have just shared your story and and shared um, to come alongside other people in their marriages. Could you just share with us kind of where that passion came from um, to just come along couples in their relationships with one another? Yeah. Um, so we went through a really hard first four years of our marriage where yeah. every bit of who we were was being tried and tested. And um, we, we, we were just struggling. And the one thing that really stood out to me was just that, that little bit of encouragement that we got each day from, um, from a friend, whether it was a text message or or a, a sermon at church, um, something we'd see online really spoke to our hearts about um, having hope, yeah. hope to take that step for that next day and just hang in there, pray for one another and have faith that whatever the struggle is that we're going through was going to be worked out. And that if it wasn't, we were going to remain. And yeah. There were some days that it didn't feel so easy, um, but we knew that encouragement goes a long way. So when we came to a place where where God was healing us and, and strengthening our faith, we were like, we need to make sure others don't feel the disparity that we felt. We need to make sure that they're mm-hmm. receiving that kind of encouragement that we were getting from our church, from our family, from friends. And so it was kind of like this passion that grew out of feeling so isolated at one point and and frustrated over our marriage that we knew we weren't the only ones. We knew we weren't alone in that. And it was also a conglomeration of um, our gifts where I I was working on marketing and blog, blog stuff and social media. I was, I was early in the, in all of that. And you knew how to write and you loved writing. It was something that used as an outlet poetry and all sorts of things. And um, I remember the, the beginning of this was I came to you when we were, you know, kind of walking through this healing process. And I was like, why don't you like start, writing, blogging, and sharing our story and sharing about what we're going through. Not as you know, we never came to this as marriage experts. It was like, Hey, let's just share what God's teaching us mm-hmm. about marriage, about what we're learning. And, uh, and then she starts sh- sharing it on social media and all of a sudden wives, because it was started with unveiled wife wives are like, yeah. Hey, no one's sharing this kind of stuff. No one's being open with this kind of stuff, which is exactly what was helpful for us is we're sitting with a bunch of other Christian couples that are also going through hard things and they're just sharing so openly and they're not trying to pretend like they're perfect. And we're like, Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. like we're not alone, which gives us hope. Yeah. And it feels good to be heard and to hear and made us able to open up. So 
that transparency and, and, and realness that you started showing early on in, in this ministry was what really stuck, struck, struck people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. What were some of the things early on you said the first four years? Was it like unmet expectations? Was it, you know, unrealistic, you know? <laughs> I like how you guys both laugh. <laughs> yeah. what, what were some of the things yeah. that you just felt like, you know, man, I wish we would have known this before we got married? Yeah. Um, well, the initial like big thing that we struggled with was, it doesn't have to do with expectation, but it was uh, not being able to be physically intimate with each other. I experienced a lot of pain every time that we tried to come together and it was very frustrating. And I was also very insecure. And so it wasn't easy for me to talk about even to like, you know, family members or close friends. It was like, because to everyone else, it sounded like it should just work. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone else. Well, you're married now. Just, you know, just figure it out, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We also had this very strong desire to serve God from the beginning. And so our idea of that was, let's go do missions. And so we're newly married and we're traveling around the world. Like we were in, we, we moved to States and then we moved and then we were in Africa. And so it was kind of a whirlwind for the first two years of our marriage of trying to figure out, okay, we're going to all these different places, but we're not quite settled with our physical relationship. And so there was, well, on the outside, lots of distraction. Great. And on the inside, interpersonally, we're like feeling like we're just slowly eating at each other and falling apart. Yeah. And so there was, there was a disparaging, there was a disparity between the, the reality and what was visible Mm -hmm. to everyone around us. And then spiritually, you know, talk about expectations. You have all these questions for God, like, okay, I've, I've, save myself for marriage or uh, we're serving you. Like, why aren't you helping us work yeah, this thing out? Making this work. <laughs> and right, so right. that was another layer to our faith that was really tested during those times. Yeah. You guys talked about kind of growing up in church. Um, did you feel like you were, that the church prepared you well for the aspect of physical intimacy in marriage? Or did you feel kind of like you got into it and you're like, oh man, I, I I feel unprepared in this in this way. Looking back, uh, the reality is is our parents should be the ones showing this, like not just by their own life, and and but also by what they actually teach us. And then on top of that, the church should be uh, and other believers should be reinforcing that. Uh, but we, you you had your view from your family. I had mine. Neither of them were perfect, of course, but also had a lot of their. There's their destructive things that we got to vis- visibly see, and then on top of that, the church in, at large wasn't reinforcing anything. There was no classes on this. Like you, you, you we we get engaged, and all of a sudden we have, uh, you know, quote unquote, premarital counseling for a few months. Like, right. okay, yeah. cool, I'm ready to go. This and should then prepare in, you for the uh, next fifty years. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> uh, which is which is why um, when we talk about this idea of community, um, it's been so huge for us because as we've been growing up in our faith. Um, just over the last, you know, 15, 16 years at being married, we're realizing that God's design was community. Wasn't that there's this one person showing you how to do it. It's that you are learning in community. You're seeing the example you're being watched. And then also there's multiple, many people that are, that love God and know his word that are coming around you and saying, Hey, you know, here's where you can change. Hey, good job for that. Like mm-hmm. encouraging, encouraging as you go. But we live in a society where everything's like separate. You you do your thing. You're in your. You keep things private. Don't talk about it over here. That's inappropriate. Right. We don't want to know. We're not interested. Uh, but on the other side, it's like I don't want to share. I'm embarrassed. I want to keep my stuff secret. And so, um, no, I would say we weren't very prepared. Well, I will say just as a positive note, there was a lot of intention yeah. um, from people who love us and uh, people who we fellowship with and went to church with. Uh, the pastor that married us and their family, our parents. I, I think that there was intention to do well yeah. in those areas, and maybe not everyone was equipped. If I could put it in a nice way, yeah. like not everybody well, knew. That's exactly, what I'm trying to say. I know. I was just saying it. A little Even bit our different. families weren't. Equipped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, Does that make sense? Yeah. Something that we, you know, we share. Um, you know, when we speak at, you know, different organizations or churches or you know, just couples one on one in coaching is. We asked this question, you know, how many of you had a clear biblical understanding of sex before you got married? Mm. And it did not matter, you know, what state we were in or the age group or um, the denomination. The response was always the same. No one raised their hand. 
Yeah, and no. so there's this aspect of marriage where it's like the emotional and spiritual side we talk about, but the physical side is like its own planet. It's like everybody knows, you know, and Justin and I, we're, we're Gen Xers. So we grew up in the purity movement where it was like, we were told purity, purity, purity. And then we got married and then we were like, ah, oh, this isn't pure, yeah. you know, like, it, yeah. so yep. we were, we were told what it was like, it was worth waiting for, but we were never told what the weight was worth, for, you know, like it was yeah. just this. So it's just, it's a beautiful thing that these conversations are now being had more and more. And we talk mm-hmm. about it being the power of going first. And that's mm-hmm. really what you guys have done um, through your mm-hmm. ministry. You've gone first to help others go second um, for, you know, the past decade, which is really commendable and amazing. How has having children mm-hmm. um, just in the area, <laughs> not only physical intimacy, which, you know, obviously you can speak into that, but just like finding time for each other, because, you know, as you said, Aaron, we live in this culture where it's we have kind of flip-flopped where instead of marriage being the priority, our kids have become the Mm -hmm. number one priority. And so it's just really kind of frustrated a lot of marriages. So how have you guys pursued one another kind of in those three areas of emotional, you know, spiritual and physical? I'll I'll say this. It's, uh, again, there's no playbook and you can, you can read lots of books about this and people write about it (laughs) to your, experiencing it and going through it and you have you know little ones that need mommy like 24 7 and uh, a a big part of it is 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 the actual dying to self in the first hand like because you're not going to get what you want when you want it you're not going to on both parties Mm -hmm. and having to recognize that uh, Mm -hmm. but then learning rhythms and patterns and and communicating a lot uh, that's something that I, i would say we've gotten a lot better at over the years is communicating hey here's where i'm at let's let's make a plan um also learning how to um how to teach our children boundaries and how to you know we when we go back and forth nothing's perfect of course but um trying to trying to you know make sure that we have the time that we need mm-hmm. when we can have it but also like going back to the communication um when we go into a season of having a new child we discuss expectations we remind each other of what the reality is about to that's about to hit us it's like okay this is going to be hard for the next six to you know eight you know months and we got to know that are we going to be patient with each other are we going to give each other you know when there's an opportunity will we take those opportunities will we be understanding with each other and Mm. So I would say learning within the parenting is a lot more talking, mm. a lot more sharing openly um, where we're at and not just quietly becoming bitter because we're not getting what we need when we need it. That's yeah, so good. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jennifer. I was just going to agree with all of that, that our communication increased so that we could um, manage life together and uh, still understand where each other are at. Um, for me personally, I feel like having kids help me understand my body better and come into this place of confidence. Like I, I know what I need. I know what I can't have right now because mommy's tired or I just feel drained. Um, but there was like this growing up in me of when I started having kids, I just embraced you more and in uh, a better way. And I feel like we've enjoyed our intimacy after having kids way, way more. Yeah. Pre kids was hard. Post kids, I, I feel like we're on the we're on the best seasons of our life. Yeah. Well, I think there's a there is an aspect of you know anytime you go through something together, whether that be um, tragedy, whether that be you know the the joy of having kids. You know, intimacy mm-hmm. isn't just sex; it is knowing one another in deeper <laughs> ways and being fully known. Yeah. And there isn't anything that's going to help you be more fully known than becoming a parent. You know what I mean? It's like you, you, all of a sudden you get to see a side of a person that you didn't even know existed before. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, you know, we struggled with, I don't know if you guys have struggled with this. You know, we parent together, obviously we're married. Uh, We do ministry together. And so, so, so many, so much of our life is so overlapped. How have you guys maintained you know, the, the adventure of marriage and not necessarily kind of fallen into the business of marriage, given that your, your life and your ministry is so intertwined. 
Um, I, we, it's funny. This is kind of like what we just brought to our kids last night. Uh, they they all love snuggles at night, like the bedtime routine. They all all of them, every all five of them want time with mommy and daddy or whoever they can get time with, actually. And we do that often. And so last night we're driving and they're asking for snuggles before bed, and we're like, "Well, guys, we're with you all day. It's a blessing. It's a gift. We get to see you. Sometimes me and mommy want to enjoy each other's time alone. <laughs> and so we're like letting them know, like, hey, like we we love you." And we love each other. And like, this is a good thing that me and mommy get to have our alone time to just talk and just be, be with each other. And, and just, uh, I think again, going back to that communication of recognizing the different areas of our lives and being able to separate them. And, uh, one thing that we love, we love, uh, several years ago, we, we got really strict on date nights and just realizing like, we need to have scheduled time where it's just us. Sometimes those date nights are business. We're, we're talking about planning and yeah. goals. But even in that, we have fun with it and, and we get to enjoy each other's company. Um, and so I would say sometimes it's hard separating it. But at the same time, I I see our integration as a blessing. I love that our work and our ministry and our family and all of it is all incorporated, um, even though it's difficult at times. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think we're really fortunate in that we get to do like our side of business is something that we both love and feel passionate about. And so it doesn't always feel like work. And the times that it does, it's more like just logistical. Like we have to figure out how to podcast. Seasonal. Seasonal. Yeah. Yeah, Like writing a book or something like that. It's just requires more of us. Um, But, but I really love, I get, I get fueled um, in marriage, Mm -hmm. being able to work together and be a team and just see ourselves in a successful way, doing something together. Yeah, we've been going through Ecclesiastes with the men in my church, and uh, uh, the thing that I, the theme that keeps coming up in it, um, again, talking about worldly wisdom, this idea of like, what does the world see as wisdom versus what does God see as wisdom? And but there's this this theme that comes up often is enjoying what you do, enjoying the work of your hands, enjoying the wife of your youth, enjoying all that God's get that has been put before you. And so, is it hard in seasons? Of course. Do we, does things get too mixed up sometimes? Of course. Do we get exhausted and tired? Do we want to just take breaks sometimes? Of course. Yeah. But I think what I've been learning over the last, you know, handful of years is I just want to enjoy, you know, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I enjoy my marriage. I enjoy my kids. Um, It's something I've been learning to do more is enjoying my children, Uh, but enjoying every aspect of my life um, and not taking it for granted. I realize what we have is a very special thing and I don't want to take that for granted. Mm -hmm. And I also want to recognize that it's a special thing. So that I don't get jaded at what we're doing. Um, yeah, that's good. And then the mundane days of like, <laughs> you know, being on autopilot where we kind of just know what the flow is and we're just going. I think it's really important to stop and recognize like, hey, <laughs> how are you? How how am yeah. I? Let's talk about this. Because it can. Yeah, uh, we be, talked about deep things for a few yeah, years. <laughs> it can be easy to, <laughs> to slip oh, wow. into all of those other priorities and like what's happening in our life, what's happening with the kids school work all of it um and so keeping yeah. uh, fresh eyes for each other and and where we're at is important to us i was just yeah. thinking when you guys were talking about like the kids and snuggle time when uh our oldest was like he was just going through that stage where we're old enough that when we had our kids every time we had a child it was like no they have to sleep on their back no they have to sleep on their side no they have to sleep upside down like everything always changed and with our oldest we had no idea what we were doing and i'll never forget like our very like first like drag out fight was letting this child sleep through the night and so it wasn't even like this bad thing but like the door was closed i was crying i'm like i'm going back in and he's like you're not going to go back in and you know it's just like yeah. the this just life transition. If our listeners, if we have, you know, listeners who are in your season of littles, is there anything like practical, like some, you know, one or two practical things? Um, I know for Justin and I, the practicality of having teenagers, you know, we would make sure our kids would be gone every night of the week if they wanted to, right? And all good things. So, like, something practical we did was making sure, like, Sunday afternoon dinner or lunch or whatever, we always did together. Is there anything like practically that comes to mind that helps you guys stay, you know, stay in a place where you're like, it's mommy and dad cuddle time. See (laughs) y'all. Well, yeah, going back to that, we've, we have scheduled date nights, uh, even if they don't happen, at least they're scheduled. 
Um, it's, it's, they happen way more often and that's a big, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Um, and then we, again, going back to communication, we, we like to give the kids that time with us if we can. And then we also just make it very clear, like, Oh, not tonight, tonight, me and mommy have, we're going to go and we want to go watch a movie. We want to, we want to just be alone. And so just communicating as much as possible. Um, I, th- I would say that's the biggest theme. Yeah. You, we've been good at. you mentioned something earlier about dying to self, especially when you have kids. Um, there's going to be times where like mommy wants to go snuggle them. And that means that I'm not getting to bed until later. And so um, making sure that we're communicating and saying, hey, you know, I'm looking forward to being with you later and then making it happen instead of always having a, an excuse or a reason yeah. to justify why um, going to bed is the best answer maybe taking those extra minutes to chat about something that's, you know, been pressing on your heart or, um, or being together physically, you know, yeah. those things are important. And sometimes they just need to be talked about and it's not always just super romantic in the moment, you know? It's true. So being okay with that. It's so good. So you, guys. Really good. Uh, you guys have, you know, just cranked out just a ton of resources. A lot of, a lot of, the resources that you guys have written and, and gotten into couples hands have been around prayer, you know, praying yeah. for one another, praying um, with each other. What are some of the things as you interact with couples, as, as I'm sure people reach out to you, what are some of the biggest challenges you feel like younger couples are facing, you know, in an age of social media and, and kind of the over sexualization of our culture? What What are you hearing from, from couples that they're struggling with that, you know, prayer and, and being, you know, spiritually intimate together could help them overcome? Well, um, I would say that, so going back to the, the prayer aspect, um, when we were talking about intimacy and you use that word spiritual intimacy, uh, we're actually about, about to record a podcast about intimacy and this idea of, um, we, we usually put it as like a physical thing, but it's really, it's, it's knowing it's knowledge. It's, it's an experiential knowledge of one of each other. And, uh, you know, it, when we, it says um, in the Bible that we're known by God because of being in Christ. And so that he has a, an experiential knowledge of us through his son, Jesus, that we get of him through his son, Jesus and prayer in a relationship. And actually for anyone is, is that form it's, it's becoming known and knowing each other. Um, When we pray to God, it's mostly us making ourselves known to God. Here's my heart. Here's my supplications. Here's my thanksgiving. He's he's being we're ma- being made known to him, and then his response to us is him b- being known to us. And so when we pray for each other, uh, we are engaging in intimacy on a level that's it's beyond physical. It's yeah. a very emotional and spiritual thing, um, and so that's why we encourage prayer so much. Is because we've seen we 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 agree with God in that it's something that we should do without ceasing. And so we want to encourage people to agree with it also. I'm like, hey, this is something that's going to not only draw you too closer to your spouse, but it's going to draw you closer to your your God. Something that we've experienced in our marriage is that when we pray together, we get to experience what you're saying, that word intimacy, that we've been kind of digging into it. And um, the Hebrew word for it is yada, and it means to also uh, perceive and to be able to meet those needs. Uh, so, so if I um, perceive a need that Aaron has and I can um, do whatever I can to fulfill it, that's part of knowing, having knowledge of who he is and what he's going through. And when we, like if we were praying together and I was able to perceive something that he was going through and pray to God, he gets to hear that. And there's this experience that's really, really spiritual and and intimate and beautiful and powerful. Um, and, an, and another layer to prayer is that we are humbled, like before yeah. the, the Lord, we are um, walking in humility to say, we can't do this without you. Well, when you enter in the throne of God, you realize how small you are. Yeah. And so, mm. so the things that you're angry about get smaller. The things that you're frustrated about get smaller. Um, it's harder for bitterness to, to get a root in your heart. Yeah. Um, but to answer the second part of your question about what couples are experiencing in this over-sexualized world and social media, um, if prayer is, is growing in the experiential knowledge of God and your spouse, it's like that it's an intimate moment. Then I would say that, uh, social media going into that and, and experiencing that 
um, is kind of the opposite of that. Because so if you look at the the first time Yada shows up in the Old Testament, wasn't it in in Genesis when mm-hmm. God tells them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Mm-hmm. They 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 they, they, they would know knowledge and good uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And there was this idea that instead of wanting to know God, they wanted to know for themselves something else. And so they have this intimacy with that, this worldly wisdom, this idea that they now can choose. And so I think what's happening, and I think when we have the social media, we have all these things. If I'm not growing in my intimacy with my wife, knowledge, experiential knowledge of her or God, but I'm growing in experiential knowledge of all these other things, all these other women, all these other uh, uh, lifestyles, things, then the, what happens is comparison, discontentment. I'm growing in an, an intimate knowledge of something else that's going to make me question what I have. Is, is it good enough? Is it enough? And just like what happened with Adam and Eve, they recognized they were naked and ashamed rather than being clothed and feeling shameless or you know free. And I, so I think social media, I think uh, these things that we we consume begin to taint our intimacy. They begin to eat away at and draw us away from God, our spouse. And so we got to be very careful. And we see a lot of people, Christians even, it's 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 been it's infiltrated the church so heavily. You have Christians that they they say things to themselves like this, well, God wants me to be happy, and I'm not happy, therefore God wants me to have something else. All they've done is replaced God's actual word with their own their own uh, things, desires in their hearts, as the word tells us, that we're, we're tempted by our own passions within us. And then they see online these things that look like what they feel like they want in their hearts. And so they, they replace their heart with God, and then they answer, them, their, answer, they answer their own question, I should say. And so you have people that instead of humbling themselves and Obey, listening to what God's word that that he, what He says is true, they find another truth. They go be intimate with knowledge of good and evil, and they want to define it themselves. And so, I, I see I see that happening. And so, our encouragement to marriages is: well, believe what God says, even when it doesn't feel right, because what you yeah. feel is going to be manipulated by the emotions in your your the chemicals in your brain, what you see with your eyes. But God's word doesn't change, and it's not affected by any of those things. And then pray and 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 humble yourselves and find actual true freedom from those cravings and desires that are drawing you away from the, the good thing that God's given you mm. and find healing in that and 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 grow. I mean, if we would have gave up four and a half years in, we wouldn't have had all of the beauty and wonder and stuff that we have now. Yeah. Right. And so that's, surrender. That's so good. Well, I was just thinking as, as you were kind of talking about prayer and just the intimacy that prayer offers us. You know, Trish and I were in ministry for 10 years when we separated, you know, due to infidel- due to my infidelity. And we didn't really know if, if our marriage was going to make it. And my counselor kind of in an offhanded comment just say said, um, you should buy the power of a praying husband. And <laughs> I had never heard of Stormy O'Meriton. I had never heard of, um, you know, just this idea of praying for my wife. And I just... I, I he was I was a pastor for ten years and we barely ever prayed together. And if we prayed together, it was for the church. It was for ministry. It wasn't for each other. And I didn't even know where to start. And the beauty of that book is, <laughs> and you guys have written resources like this too. Uh, she provides prayers for you. And mm-hmm. so I would literally call Trish on my lunch hour at my new job, and I would read onto voicemail, <laughs> dear you know, dear God. I pray for insert name here, Trisha, (laughs) you know, and I would just read, I would just read that prayer. And here I am, you know, I was a Bible college graduate. I was ordained in ministry and it just felt so awkward Mm -hmm. to pray together and so awkward to pray for my wife. And it's like, once I got past the awkwardness of that, the level of intimacy and the level of knowing that it opened up for us, we would not have made it Mm -hmm. had we not started praying together, had we not allowed God into some of those in, you know, under the, into those places of vulnerability and insecurity and, you know, half truths. There were, there were just so many things that prayer revealed that we were not even um, equipped to, to talk about because we had never invited God into that area of our marriage. 
Mm. What I love, love, love about what you guys have said. Well, there's many things, but the perceiving like that, it's like, um, we, we talk about, and we're going, we're going on 30 years together, which is like nuts. Cause we, 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 we met when so we were young. 10. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> we're really that old, but you know, this idea of like wooing one another and falling in love with one another. And then, you know, why do marriages that, you know, like that nine, 10, 15 year mark start to unravel. And it's like what you guys have described is such a powerful, um, just a, a totally radically different way of pursuit. Like this time, this pursuit is like not only pursuing after God, but when you pursue one another, it's different than the chase of one another, right? This like yeah. surface, you know, uh, it's like a, a, like a faux intimacy, like it's kind of mm-hmm. intimacy, but like the intimacy you guys are talking about is like, the chase of getting to know one another in deeper and deeper ways that it's like, you know, we, we share this with couples that, that fear of us not being enough in our marriages, especially as women, when we have babies and, you know, aging is not celebrated in our culture and we can't compete with what's on the screen. And so there's just this feeling like, well, we can never measure up, but what you guys are describing that knowing of one another, it's like, it does outshine anything else. It's like this intimacy. Like, I just love how you said that, Jennifer, like such a, I have rarely heard a woman speak about feeling more willing to be intimate with her husband after having a baby. Mm -hmm. But I think, so when you said that, I was like, gosh, that's so interesting. But then where you guys took the conversation of that, that pursuit of one another it was like having a child opened you up to be pursued yeah. in ways you hadn't before. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, I don't know. That's, that's just a real, it's, it's just gold. gold. It's just gold. So uh, has, it, has it been, has it been hard to try to like, you know, because in our culture, you kind of have to build ministry on social media, but then also have boundaries with social media. How have you guys balanced that? Yeah, that's been really difficult for me because I'm a creative and I love uh, the engagement part of social media, um, creating content, sharing it. But there was definitely a shift a couple of years back where I was just, uh, my capacity was limited with a mom with a bunch of babies. And I kept crying to Aaron about it. I'm like, I can't keep up. I can't do it. And every day felt like social media was changing, um, the, you know, the different trends and things you could do with it. And I just, I couldn't keep up. And there, I had to kind of surrender my desire to keep up and just say, okay, well, I'll be able to do what I can with the time that I have. Um, but my focus is my children. And we decided to homeschool and raise them here. So I, I pour all my attention into that and trust that, you know, my commitment and what I can do with it will be to God's glory. And (laughs) I had to let the the rest go. And so I, I do have this struggle inside of me where I'm like, I know I could do more, you know, but really I can't. And so I've had to, um, just tell myself basically every day, like, you're okay. You're doing good. Just keep, keep marching on. (laughs) I'm smiling because, uh, you and Trish could form a support group for how to (laughs) How to struggle with that exact same thing. Well, and for me, it wasn't so much having babies, but we adopted six years ago and we adopted our kids at six or nine and seven um, with so much trauma. So it was like newborn babies in the sense of like learning how to do trauma. And yeah, I very much that um, very much feel that pain. And sometimes we forget. the extraordinary things that God does through them feel ordinary in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. Because it keeps us, our heads from being haughty or thinking this is of us, but it's totally of God. Mm -hmm. But when I think of a couple, especially coming into this so young in the platform that you guys have been given, I think that there's a bunch of mamas that just like took a deep breath and was like, wow, okay. Because what you're saying is you're going to steward the right things mm-hmm. and trust that God will take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a very powerful statement um, that you just made. And I just appreciate that so much. And knowing that God, he's bigger than our capacity. I, if I say this term that our staff and my family roll their eyes at until they're like, yeah, mom, you were right. 
but season and capacity are are everything. Like we have to acknowledge the season of life we're in in order to live out of the capacity that we are able to give in our season of life. Yeah. And for you guys, we always talk about the um the 10 decade like challenge like in 10 years, where are we going to be? And that used to be, oh my gosh, our kids are going to be like 13 and 10. And that's just nuts. <laughs> now it's like, they're going to be 20. And then we refuse to think 30, yeah. like, cause we yeah, are way too we young. Ten, ten, 10 years from now, I'm looking at beach houses in Florida. to retiring to. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys think about like the next 10 years, as no. you make those hard decisions now, what are some of the, the, you know, legacy thoughts that you have like where where do you hope to be in the next 10 years in in your marriage and in your family that's a great question um you're ready to answer it already? no i was gonna say <laughs> I, I tend to don't i don't think that far ahead it's like a it's, i think it's a gift god god gave me um i don't i have a hard time like i could sit down and be like oh my kids will be you know x years yeah. old like my, yeah. my son could potentially be married already and maybe having their first child, which would be crazy because he'd be 20. Yeah. Yeah. 20. 20. Oh, geez. Um, so like, I, I just tend to, I can't, it's hard for me to think that far ahead yeah. and try and try and plan. What I would love is that I have kids that, that love the Lord and, um, and are excited about life and marriage and feel like they have uh, purpose. Yeah. And feel like they have purpose. Um, I think what we're, we're trying to do now is we're trying to think of how to set them up, not to just hand them something, but how can we make them entrepreneurial and, and wanting to, to, to start businesses and um, just looking at how the world is. I'm like, okay, yeah. we can't just rely on the way things have always been. Yeah. So we got to yeah. kind of equip our kids for how things are probably going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, not, making them afraid. Mm-hmm. Like I want them to be so like fearless mm-hmm. in this world. So I would say personally, I have a hard time planning what I see happening, but I, I, know, I'm, I apologize. I feel like I just stressed. <laughs> that's not out of both of you. <laughs> no, I, that's the thing is I don't get stressed about it either. I just, <laughs> I'm like, well, I have you're to wake up and be like, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're 20. <laughs> um, I do look at, we walk by our pictures of our kids and I'm like, Oh my goodness. They like, were babies. Yeah. Ellie yeah. was just talking baby picture and he's like he's like i used to be so chubby now look at me i'm looking at him like stop it yeah stop, <laughs> stop growing what are you doing what, what, your guys I, the first thing that came to my mind is i hope that our kids are walking with the lord and have a strong yeah. foundation um just because i feel like that's everything right now it's what i pray for it's what we spend time talking to them about um that and their education and just um seeing as they get older like seeing what they're interested in and you know so i feel like so many of my thoughts are about them um but i do have a handful of thoughts that are that we're in a good place that we're what you are a planner. I am a planner. Um, that we're in a good. She's place. like, I love this question. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, but also that I do get to reengage in um, in the way that we were able to before kids with social media and yeah. sharing our content. Maybe speaking. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what God has for us. And I want to be open minded, but also content because things could shift and change, and we. I don't know what we'll be doing, but I have thought it'd be cool if our kids were a part of this, like helping yeah. us and social media. And I have a handful of book ideas tucked away that are a little bit more on the creative side that I'd love to see if they ever come to be. But you know, it's just it's cool. They're just seeds. I don't know. From, from the outside looking in, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like you guys, your ministry started really with Unveiled Wife and mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. the the engine that became, you know, yeah. just this onslaught of wives looking for hope, looking for encouragement. And then Aaron, at some point you started Husband Revolution. Can you talk a little bit about that and just kind of your passion for husbands? One of the things we talk about in our marriage conferences is just the passivity and the passive role that men in general have been conditioned to play in marriage. And if you're passive long enough in your marriage, what happens is you feel like you're married to your mom um, and your marriage is reduced to like this list of things that you can and can't do um, in order to not make your wife mad. How, how did you get passionate about helping men kind of revolutionize their vision for their life and, and their marriage? So yeah, Unveiled Wife started and it was Jennifer 
promoting to, you know, talking to wives, sharing her story, all these wives sharing their hearts. And we just very quickly were like, well, it's kind of silly to just communicate to one half. Like there's two people involved in this, this marriage, this, this, this unity is between two. We also saw it in a lot of the messages coming through to us about the, the wife being heartbroken over her husband or their relationship. And so, yeah, that one-sidedness felt lop, loppy. So we were like, so we have to do this. I, I, I started Husband Revolution as a, I was like, oh, I'm going to start speaking to husbands and encouraging husbands. And uh, that you, you talked about this, that word passivity. Um, and I, I think that's a, there's, first of all, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. After sin entered the world through through Eve and through Adam, uh, the the curse that was placed on them was the man was going to be, it was, the ground was no longer going to just yield it, the, the fruit of the ground easily. He was going to have to work hard for it by the sweat of his brow. And then the curse on the woman was that her desire would be against her husband or for his position essentially. And when we don't walk in the spirit, okay. Cause that curse still exists, but it's broken in the spirit of God. Okay. Hmm. So when we don't walk in the spirit, then what happens is we fall back on the curse and men want to be lazy and not want to work hard for their the soil of their wives hearts for the soil of their children's hearts for their you know that's that's their they're tilling that land and also manifest physically of wanting to play and be immature and not wanting to grow up okay and work hard with their hands on the on the converse of that the reverse you have the wife when she's not walking in the spirit will fall back on that curse and and desire control and position and authority because you have the man you have this you have this back and forth of a man not wanting to lead and so the wife's going to naturally be like well I'll do that now I'm not saying that's everyone's conscious decision when we don't walk in God's spirit we're going to produce the fruits of the flesh which is going to be the these these types of things but when, man when we walk in the spirit and this doesn't require both to do it that's the beauty of this. Um, someone once told me, read your own mail. And when you read the scriptures, when the Bible talks to the husband, it doesn't say, husbands, if your wife does this, then do this. It just says, husbands, do this. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, when it talks to the wife, it says, wives, do this. It doesn't yeah. say, wives, if your husbands do this, then do this. So there is no uh, formula for, if so-and-so does this, then you do this. It's, this is what you do in the spirit of God. This is what you, how you should respond and act. Again, in the spirit of God, like we can't do it in our own flesh. We need God's spirit to be empowering us. We need to be surrendering to that and saying, okay, Lord, this is hard, but help me do it. Yeah. When we do that, you can, you'll, you'll see men when they, when they decide to start walking in the spirit, it's not that they'll just start doing everything that their wife says, and that it'll just be more amicableness. And it, but it, what will happen is there'll be more love, more joy, more patient on, on this, on the husband's Mm -hmm. part. Even when the wife is walking, however she's walking, doesn't matter. He will start to lead spiritually in that way. You'll see him reminding his wife, hey, you know, in the word it says this, even if she receives it or not. You'll see him wanting to pray for her. You'll see him wanting to serve her and love her as Christ loves the church, giving himself up for her, washing her by the water with the word. That's good. And same thing happens on the wife's part. And the and the scriptures are so awesome and clear. It says Wives, how will you? How do you not know that if you walk in this way that you will not save your husband? Husbands, how do you not know that if you walk in this way that you will not save your wife? It doesn't say they have to both be doing it perfectly. Now, the reason we wrote Marriage After God is because we believe that when a husband and wife are doing these things, walking in God's spirit, they will begin to see their marriage as the ministry that God intended to be. And powerful ministry comes out of that marriage. So... When one is not, ministry can still happen. When both are not, no ministry can happen. So my encouragement to husbands is, hey, it's not your job to change your wife. It's your job to walk in the Holy Spirit. It's your job to obey God and love him and serve him. And when you do that, magical, powerful thing, not magical, powerful things happen. Uh, <laughs> when you when you start walking in this that spirit that God's given you, trusting God's word, you'll see some amazing things happen. And often... <laughs> Often the the wife, if the wife's not walking in the spirit and if, got, if she's not obeying God, you'll see her totally transform. It just, it's, it really happens. And I've seen it with wives towards their husbands too. It's really cool. I was thinking, it reminded me of the time. It's probably like 
I don't know, we were probably married for like 14, 15 years. And, you know, we were four years into recovery after the affair and God was just doing amazing things. But there, you know, we tell people all the time, the affair was a symptom of much deeper issues in our marriage. And one of the things is, you know, like I grew up in a household where we were very efficient with how we fought. We just used like four letter words. So, you know, it was just like, (laughs) it was really easy to have those type of conversations, but I'll never forget. Like I was just having a really bad day. And I was seriously like that two-year-old toddler freaking out in the store that recognizes that nobody's looking at them. So they just Mm -hmm. stop because they're not getting that attention. And I was just having a bad day and I was just kind of like coming unglued. I just remember we were in our bedroom and Justin just kind of like slowly left the room and closed the doors and to say, I'm not going to engage your craziness right now, but I love you and I'm going to pray for you. Uh And it was like, it was so profound and he didn't do anything, but you could tell that he invited God into that moment because I wasn't being kind and it wasn't even about him. I don't even remember what it was about, but I just remember having just a hard day. And so, you know, that reflection in the big things and also in the small things that you said, it does get um, maybe, you know, like you said, magical in the fact that it becomes a miracle, you know, (laughs) and how we show up in those spaces. That's so good. Well, we want to honor you guys' time and just thank you so much just for pouring into us and pouring into so many marriages. You guys are an inspiration to us and we love, um, you know, promoting your books. We love promoting your ministry and sharing that with, with people all across the country when we go and speak and, and people are, especially young couples are always asking us like, Hey, give us some resources. And you guys are just on the top of our mind of, uh, places couples can go to get solid biblical, um, not just advice, but answers for what, um, you know, they're, they're struggling with the most. So thank you guys so much for just for being used by God in such tremendous ways. And uh, we just really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome guys. Well, thanks for, thanks for doing this. Um, we will, um, I don't know. Oh, there we go. Stop. Okay. Before you go, I want to remind you, if you are looking for some romance, some connection, some enrichment in your marriage, I mean, that is all possible at the Refinus Weekend. It's in the heart of Nashville, right off of Music Row in a beautiful hotel called the Virgin Hotel. It's all inclusive. We're even going to throw in some, like maybe a little photo shoot with you and your, when your boo, but we would love to invite you. It's happening May 3rd through the 5th. There you go. Hope to see you there. 